This message was presented through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. I want to welcome each one of you. I don't know if you are listening well or uh, this is the only microphone I was provided. It's for the recording, but it's all right for you? Not really. Had to shout like an evangelist. <laughs> well, I hope they will provide a microphone uh, uh, for the second part. Well, welcome, it, welcome each one of you. My name is Robert Costa. I'm, uh, I come from far away. I was born in a little country called Uruguay. The first gift they give you when you are born is a football. You know, they play football. So I love football. I used to play in first division uh, in those days when the world was young. But uh, God has other plans for me. I studied journalism. I went uh, to Venezuela. I live in Brazil, live in so many countries. My dad was a missionary. And then I uh, saw English is not my first language. It's not my second language. It's my third language. So I speak mostly Spanish, then Portuguese, and then uh, uh, English and a uh, little bit some French. But uh, I'm so glad to be here today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit uh, before uh, uh, go to the subject. I hope you won't feel disappointed because in the program, it says right there how to know God, how to uh, present God to another people. Well, I'm not a theologian, I'm an evangelist. So today, want to shift a little bit the focus on that. We want to mention something about God, but want to give you some tools, some materials for you to share Jesus to other people. And I have something for you. I want to give you something today. Well, uh, I was born in an Adventist home. My grandfather was an Adventist. He received the book, uh, The Sire of Ages, uh, only 25 years after it was written in Australia. That book reached uh, my grandparents' uh, 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 home, and then they accepted Jesus. Then there came the great controversy. And then, of course, uh, my parents, and we grew up in an Adventist home. But when I went to... Uh, I feel the call to serve the Lord very early in my life. But then I went to journalism. I studied journalism. After several years, I decided to go to theology. I was studying theology. And then I felt the great temptation to go back to football. We moved to Venezuela, where they were starting the football in those days. They only knew baseball and other sports. So during the summertime, I was supposed to call Porter to sell books for my tuition. But I played football because they paid much better. In the fourth year of theology, I said, I want to quit, I want to quit theology. I want to follow my sport career. It's well paid. After I get older, I become a coach. 
I have all my plans. But at the same time, I want to be a good Adventist. So can you imagine what happened in those games on Sabbath afternoon? I was watching the sun. It was going down so slow. Oh, 3 p.m., I was ready with my, my, my uh, attire, ready, ready to, to jump into the car. Uh, the song was so slow, but I want to keep the Sabbath because I want to be a good Adventist. As soon as the sun went down behind the tallest building, I said, oh, the sun is sunset now. It's my time. I ran. But when I was driving, the sun appears before <laughs> <laughs> above the horizon again. So I felt guilty. So I arrived late to one game. And the coach says, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be from the beginning of the game. We are losing. Please get in. So I got in without warming up. Then a muscle strain, uh, strain bad surgery. And God has other plans for me. I... It was a bad surgery, and then they cut by mistake my sciatic nerve right here where they divide. I never could touch a football again. I was angry against God and against everybody, the doctors. When I look back, I said, Lord, thank you. You had better plans for me. Sometimes God has to remove to break down, to tear down our plans in order for his plans to accomplish in our lives. Today, I cannot play football any longer. I'm paralyzed from here down. I don't feel anything. But when I look back, I say, Lord, thank you. You allow me to preach, to go around the world, to share the good news about salvation. One day, God will restore my leg. I don't know if they're going to play football in heaven. I hope yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's part of my story. God is good. He's always good. If we are all, our eyes were open today, we will we'll see angels right here in this place. They're right here. You know, later on, after pastoring several churches, uh, I worked two years in South America, then I went, uh, I went to the U.S. In the last 33 years, I've been living in the U.S., pastoring most of my time over there. Uh, they asked me to help out with the, uh, it is written in Spanish. We are reaching right now 11,000, more than 11,000 channels around the world. Millions of people every week listening to the message. And... Uh, and a year, year and a half ago, they invited me to serve in the general conference to coordinate the evangelism for the world church. I've been enjoying that very much. I've been doing that. And let me tell you something. Evangelism is addictive. When you start in that, you cannot stop. I've been conducting evangelistic series uh, in the last 12 years, 20, 25, every year. And this year is not the exception. Next one will be in Albuquerque, New Mexico, U.S., then Romania, then Rome, then many other places. So there is not too much time to waste. Jesus is coming. 
And let me tell you, for you not to get disappointed about the subject, the program says something very interesting that uh, I will... Uh, it says everything right here. A vision of God. Who is God really? God is love. God is just. He's our Father. He's the judge of the world. He's the king, savior, and creator. He saved Daniel in the uh, lion's den and the three men in the fiery furnace, but he didn't save Peter, Peter from the cruel death, so and so. Well, God is that. How to share God with other people? I grew up in a very atheistic country. Sometimes you think Europe is atheist. Well, Europe is a Christian continent, let me tell you. Is secular? Yes. But no, that's not the major problem. I grew up in a country where only 48% of the people believe in God. How to share God with other people? They don't believe in the Bible. God, that's not cool. Forget it. Well, how to testify? Let me give you a clue right here, and that will be all what I want to say about this, and then I want to move into a seminar that you will, you will love to, uh, because of the material I will share with you. Connect yourself with God every day, and people will see God through you, and they will say, hey, what do you believe? Why you behave this way, that way? It's something not that we may explain. It's something we have to live by example. So many, many uh, uh, friends when I was growing up in that little country, they were interested. What do you believe? What makes that difference in your life? Connect yourself with God. That will make the difference in everything you do. Well, let's start with a word of prayer, and then let's move on the seminar uh, that I uh, want to divide into segments. And then if you have questions, please raise your hand. This is not a sermon. This is a seminar. Interrupt. Feel free to uh, let's, uh, dialogue together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. It's only by your grace that we are here. Lord, uh, we ask the Holy Spirit to come to this place and to the sanctuary of every heart. We travel from far away, from different parts of this continent and from abroad to receive your blessings, to receive some uh, materials, training, and encouragement to serve you better. Lord, we open our hearts to you Please open doors of service for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, the seminar I want to present to you is a light world for God. I worked with Elder Finlay for many years and with Sister Finlay doing evangelism around the world. He was in It Is Written in those days. I was in It Is Written in Spanish, so we had the opportunity to work in evangelism. And uh, 
they develop a special uh, book, a program on evangelism that really changed my approach on evangelism and how to be successful and how to reach people in every continent. Like Your World for God is a, is a seminar that has been applied in every continent. I want to share with you five keys. The five keys of successful soul winning or evangelism. These five keys are taken from the book of Acts, are universal, has been applied in every continent. In every continent, they, it works very, very well. So the reason we are here is because of this command. All authority is given unto me, Jesus says. Go to all the nations. Teach them to observe all things, and I will be with you always. Here are the four absolutes given by Jesus. Is Jesus powerful? You better believe it. By the power of his mouth, he created matter. We cannot do that. We may do the, the opposite from the matter. We may split it and then uh, the atom and create energy. But God, from energy, he creates the matter. So the power of his mouth. All the power in that power go in my name to all the nations, make disciples, teach them everything that I told you. I will be with you always. This is the only thing that separates us from the second coming of Jesus, the fulfilling of this. But this is something impossible, humanly speaking, unless something supernatural happens. I want to start speaking about this, and then I want to move to very practical things that what we can do in order to fulfill this great commission. Unless the Holy Spirit comes to our lives, to our churches, to our homes, we will spend here many, many more centuries. It requires something supernatural to finish the gospel. The disciples, you know, this is Christ's promise to the New Testament church. The challenge of taking the gospel to the, to the world is not new. The disciples faced this challenge in the first century. We face it in the 21st century. You say, well, the disciples right now is more difficult to preach. Hey, wait a minute. If you study what happened in the first century, secularism, they don't even know what Christianity was all about. The worshiping of the emperor, to be Christian was illegal, was a death penalty, was difficult, very secular society. And there are 12 men without PowerPoint, without video projector, without hope channel, without microphone, without even a church to have the meetings because they, they used to meet at homes. They were persecuted. They don't have anything we have today 
but they shook the world and they turned the world upside down. 12 men, then 70, then 120. They don't have cars, maybe a horse, I don't know. They took boats, walking. And in one generation, the gospel went to the whole known world in those days. What was the difference? Not what they have, not what we had. Who, who possessed us? The Holy Spirit made a difference then and made a dif- will make a difference now. And that is the central point of witnessing or testifying for Jesus. It's something supernatural. They were confronted an impossible task by empowered by the Holy Spirit. The church exploded in growth. These Christians shared their faith everywhere. Well, N.G. White says, by the cooperation of the divine spirit, the apostles did a work that shook the world to every nation what the gospel to carry in a single generation. Well, that's the promise then, but the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was promised, but God promised to give us the Holy Spirit abundantly in the last days. The earth will be illuminated with his glory. The work of God on earth will be finished rapidly. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are from a, well, a city? There are many cities here in Europe. Uh, Munich, Germany. Or how many people do we have in Munich, approximately? Or Berlin, or, or no? One million? One million people. 1.2. Do you believe that in Munich or Berlin or any other big city of Vienna, there is a le- at least 10% of sincere people? 10%. Do you re- believe that? I believe there is more than 10% of sincere people. What will be the 10% of 1 million? Good mathematicians. Come on. 100,000. Are you ready for what is coming? Are you ready? Are you thinking beyond this, oh, well, we are a small group, we are a small church, nobody knows us. Are you ready for what is coming? Has been promised the earth will be illuminated by the glory of God. And let's, go, let's move on uh, on that. Ellen uh, C. says, the greatest and the most urgent of our needs is a revival of true godliness uh, among God's people. Well, but uh, the uh, Holy Spirit is always connected with the mission. Always. It's not for us to feel good or to... Uh, start floating in the clouds is for us to testify. The Holy Spirit will come only to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. Oh, I like that quotation. Well, let's go to the five keys of uh, evangelism and soul winning. Here are the five keys. They are universal, has been applied in every continent, are taken from the book of Acts. 
First key, revival. Churches grow when there is a genuine spiritual revival in the spiritual life of the members. Do you want to know how to have a revival in one life and in the church? Here are the three steps. First, individuals and churches are revived when there is a renewed emphasis on Bible study. By the way, I see some of you taking notes. I have everything right here available for you. I have uh, several gigs of evangelistic materials in PowerPoint. The good news are open for you to put in your own language. The text right here. These are uh, brand new graphics. I'm going to show you uh, before the end of this seminar. There's a lot of material right here. And uh, uh, I want to share with you, uh, I believe very much in sharing, in sharing everything, because you are there in the field preaching. The, we want to provide. The, the general conference is committed to have all the resources and materials possible for you to preach and to have tools at hand to share the good news with others. So if you have a computer, you start copying now. Uh, so to, it's right here. Can you bring a computer? Well, later, see me later. Bible study, every revival through history has been based on the Bible. Eternal life is to know God. To know God. And how we know God through the Bible. There's no other mean. It's only through the Bible. Ellen C. White mentions that the, the, the pages of the Bible are comparable to the leaves of the tree of life. I like that very much. There are 12 references that she mentioned that these pages are similar to the, the leaves of the tree of life. Here's another quote. The word of God is our sanctification, our righteousness, because it is spiritual food. To study it is to eat the leaves of the tree of life. Isn't that wonderful? What an amazing quote. So, first step, go to the Bible. Second one, intercessory prayer. There is power when we pray and pray and pray. By the way, the power is not in prayer in itself, the power is in God. Prayer is just the vehicle. There are many people today who are experimenting a revival through intercessory prayer. Prayer and faith will do what no power on earth can accomplish. Come with me to Peru. I want to introduce to you the second tallest man in the world. Two meters, 28. It's a giant. Two meters and 28 centimeters. He's going to be a good basketball player, I don't know, or volleyball, whatever. There he is. He knew the honor, the fame, the fortune, but he was feeling empty in his heart. He was looking for something, something else. So church members in one church, they decide to pray for his name. His name is Margarito. Lord, we claim him for the kingdom of heaven. We want to see him in, the, in heaven. And they pray for him three months. One day, this gentleman was sleeping in his bed, a huge bed. 
and he had, had a dream. He was walking in a, in, a, in a road, in a path, and someone handed him an envelope and said, look for the Seventh-day Adventist church. And he woke up and says, Seventh-day Adventist church? I never heard about the church. He went searching who is that church, asking people nobody knew. You know, there are many people who never know about the, the, the Adventist church. And then, uh, finally, he, he found the church, and there was a pastor in the study, in the office. And the pastor saw that big figure uh, entering and said, hey, welcome, Margarito, what are you doing here? And he was uh, speechless. Well, I have a dream, very vivid dream. I, I want to know. In the dream, someone handed me an envelope and said, look for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the pastor said, Margarito, God sent you over here. We were praying for you for three months because God has a message for you. And he, start, uh, he began to study the Bible. Study the Bible. He accepted Jesus. He went to the river to be baptized. Had to be baptized with, uh, by two pastors. <laughs> said, Margarito, sit down, sit down. And he was sitting there, and he was taller than the pastors. They almost need a crane to remove him from the water. And they baptized him. And the problem was how to give, <laughs> let him up, you know? Four pastors helping him out, going up. Well, he accepted Jesus. Now, he was receiving the baptismal certificates. That's his wife right there, you know? This size. That was a big baptism, a giant for the Lord. There's Margarito with the pastor and the wife. They have a child. Today, he's the PR, public relations man of that city. He's a well-known figure around the world. He signed up contracts all over the world because, you know, publicity. By the way, you have all this in the, in the PowerPoint the presentation, all that picture to share with other people. And then... He's organizing small groups all over the cities. And he says, someone pray for me. I want for you to pray for others to see them in the kingdom of heaven. We want to see a revival. We need to pray, to pray, and to pray. Come with me to India. We went there in uh, Southeast India. A few years ago, I've been Indians in, many, in, in several uh, occasions. India is a challenging country. Soon will be the largest country in the world, larger than China, more populated. They speak 1,615 languages in, in India. And some, uh, sometimes you feel that uh, it's, a, it's a challenge here in Europe. Here is nothing compared over that. One pastor, he has 24 languages in his district. I said, how do you do that? I use translators all the time. You see the challenges around the world. We go over there. We uh, send 50 pastors in the 50th anniversary of the program, it is written. We pay 50 pastors for five years. We were decided to plant 50 churches in the 50th anniversary. 
and then they start doing the work many months in advance, and they prepare the soil, 5,000, 10,000, 15. We finish with 22,000 people, and by God's grace, there were almost 12,000 people baptized there. And we asked the president, well, how many of these will remain in the church? And he told us, uh, that's not a good question, he said. Everybody, because apostasy here is zero. When the Hindus, they leave the Hinduism, they never go back because they kill them. They are rejected. So you had to provide a church, a pastor. Many, many people were, but we pray, we pray a lot for these people. We spend hours and hours praying and up to eight hours per day praying for the people in the villages. And we saw miracles, and the, like the, uh, in the apostolic days. This couple right here, sorry the, the brightness is not, but this couple, they're professional. He's an architect. She's an educator. This eight-year-old son, he was born with the eyes closed. He, they, went, they came to Europe. They went to Asia. They went to America looking for a solution. And the doctor says, that's impossible. We cannot strain up the, the eyes. The, the eyes closed. We arrived over there. We were dividing groups of five, going to the villages. Most of them, they were lay people. I would say 90% were from Romania, in that, that, that group. Many, many people from Romania. And then we start praying, praying, praying for the people. And this couple said, okay, pray, pray for, 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 for our son, because we know if you pray, God will fix the eyes. And then the, the group, the lay people who were in the group said, well, we want to pray, but we don't know if the Lord will answer, you know. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. And most of the time God says, well, let's wait. They didn't have faith. They were afraid to say, well, what if we pray and nothing happened? They're going to kill us. So they pray without faith. But the God of the impossible, he knew the faith of those, those uh, parents. At the end of the prayer, they look at the eye of the, the child. Those eyes were straightened, vision 2020, right there. This picture was taken two hours after that miracle. And they were sitting there in the first, uh, you know, close to the, the, the preacher there because they want to testify God is powerful, God is good. Let me tell you, when we pray for each other, we see miracles. Look at this. This gentleman has a PhD in one of the, uh, in South America, one of the, the prisons with maximum security. They speak 12 languages in that prison. This man who received him, is the former chief of police of the country. This guy who was baptized was the chief of the gorillas shining path in South America. They were looking each other to kill each other. They were enemies. Now the gospel entered into that prison. Now they are friends. They are preaching together. They are united in Jesus. That's what prayer does. If we want a revival, we need to pray. By the, way, by the way, 12 prisoners, all of them, one was a banker, 
the other university uh, 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 president, many well-educated people, political prisoner people in that prison accepted Jesus because of the prayer. This is uh, Marianella, 12 years old. I was preaching in one place. This picture was taken three weeks after the miracle. She grew up in an Adventist home. She never walked by herself. She uh, was born with the, the bones, uh, you know, deformed, always carrying arms or uh, walkers or, or wheelchairs. And she said, Mom, I want to be baptized. And the mother says, no, you are too young. She uh, was 12 years old. And the pastor said, sister, she's not too young. Uh, the Holy Spirit is working in her heart. Could you please allow her to be baptized? Finally, the day of baptism arrived. She was the last one to be baptized. More than 100 people were baptized that day. She was the last one just in case because of, you know, they had, she had to be carried into baptistry. And she entered. Deacons and deaconesses were carrying her. Very thin, very small girl. Pastor pronounced the blessing. And she came out of the water, from the water. And then the deacons and deaconesses says, oh, okay, we have, as you said, no, I don't need help. She came out walking by herself right there. And all the church, wow, wow. Uh, they knew her from childhood. I mean, from, from, uh, she was born in that church. Well, well I'm, sh I'm sharing this with you. There are so many stories around the world. When we pray, when we pray, God will perform all kinds of miracles. If we want a revival, we need to study the Bible like never before. We need to, uh, to be active in intercessory prayer. Have you heard about prayer walk? Prayer walk. In some countries, they are practicing that. It's impossible to enter in Chicago, New York, some places in Los Angeles. So they adopted a block, a couple, young people here, a family over there. They adopt a block for one month, two months, or three months, and they go around praying for the people who live in that block claiming them for Jesus, based on the promise that God made to Joshua, wherever you put the, your feet, that territory will be yours. And then they are walking around. Lord, I don't know who lives in the, these apartments. Lord, I don't know who lives in this home. But I claim these people from the kingdom. I claim the blood of Jesus upon them. They are walking. They do exercise and they keep praying and praying and praying. One round, another round. Third, Sabbath afternoon, sometime during the week, they adopt that. When they have evangelistic series, guess from where those people are coming from? Exactly from the places where they are praying for. Prayer walk. Try that. Organize your churches. Your, your, your youth task force. Let's dedicate one Sabbath afternoon for, for three months. Prayer walk. Let's adopt this part of the city, the other part, the other part. Just walk around. You don't need to knock the doors. 
God knows where the people are and who they are and keep praying for salvation and you will see that God will open the way in, in a providential way. So we need to, uh, to pray and to pray. And the third way we may experiment a true revival is when there is a renewed emphasis on witnessing. The Holy Spirit will come only to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. And I like these steps to Christ. As soon as we come to Jesus, in the heart there is a desire to share with others this good news. If we don't feel that, maybe you are not going to Jesus. If your members in the members of your church don't feel that, maybe they are, they are not going to Jesus. Well, let's go to the second key. The first one is revival. The second one, equipping. Churches grow when each member is trained and equipped for service. And here it is. Here it is. The Bible principle. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Each one has different gifts. Equipping. Every church will be a training school for Christian workers. I like that. Some people understand that church is just a place to listen to a good sermon. No, it's a training center. Training school should be. And here, dear young people, is the quotation that was written over a hundred years ago that is changing many places around the world, even entire unions and entire divisions. Here it is. In our churches, let companies be formed for service, the formation of small companies as a basis of Christian effort is a plan that has been presented before me by one who cannot err. Jesus never made mistakes. And here says the small groups, small companies. Come with me to South America, where I was invited for a huge caravan. I had to preach for 41 days in 84 cities, sometimes four times a day. All the places, big stadiums, coliseums, 30, 40, 70,000 people. How they did that? Humanly speaking, impossible. By the fall, they followed Jesus' method, the formation of small groups. They had 25,000 small groups studying the Bible in their homes with neighbors and friends. And of course, the result was right there. I went to preach in a, in a, in a city. They didn't have an auditorium enough, big enough, so they rent a, a hill in the open, 25,000 people. They were studying the Bible. They responded. More than 5,000 of them were baptized after studying the Bible for eight, nine, ten months. Small groups. How is it possible to fill up a stadium with 75,000 people and to know exactly where each one of the visitors were? But they were organized through small groups. They rented 1,000 buses to drive most of the people to that place. Something is going on around the world when we follow the method that Jesus says, this is, this is the way to go. How the church survived in Russia. 
how the church is surviving in China. Small groups. How the church survived in the first century. Small groups. How the church will survive when these doors will be closed. When the persecution will come. Small groups. This is a plan that God sent us. By the way, they finished in that union with more than 34,000 baptisms. You know what the apostasy was? Apostasy was only 4 to 6%. Why? Small groups. I want to challenge you to follow what the servant of the Lord says and what God says about that. Well, this Amanda, maybe you know him. Maybe you saw in the movies. Have you seen that movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy? Some of you, it's about 30, 35 years old movie. Well, that little actor was baptized in the Seventh Adventist Church there in the Kalahari in Namibia, Africa. And then uh, he accepted Jesus. He died. But along with him was baptized Chungora. That's the man on the right. He belonged to the tribe of the Herreros. He accepted Jesus. He's carrying a Bible in his hand. He don't have a home. He don't have a family. He's sleeping in the open, in the middle of the nothing there, in the place in Africa where there are uh, the highest concentration of leopards and hyenas. I don't know how he survived. But God has a purpose to him. He speaks some English like uh, Tarzan, you know. Uh, I do this, that, and I quite uh, broken English, like mine, you know. But he translates into other languages. And God is using him in a powerful way. But his dream was to, to have his tribe men to accept Jesus. He talked to them about Jesus for six years. He was rejected. One day he said, I'm going to leave my tribe. I'm going to preach in other places far away. That night he has a dream. In the dream he has a peak or something. With a, there was a rock. He was hammering the rock, trying to break that big rock. Nothing happened. Sparks come out from that and nothing happened. He couldn't break the rock. He was about to abandon that work he was dreaming. And then an angel came, approached to him and said, keep hammering because you are going to break that rock. And he continued. And he broke one piece, another piece, and he woke up. And he said, maybe God is trying to teach me a lesson that my friends are hard like a rock, but God, God will break that rock. He went for the last time to that, that village. He decided, I'm going to go for the last time. As he entered into the village, six men with spurs were shouting, coming out of the village. And he asked, where are you going? Oh, we want to kill a leopard. Last night we heard a, a noise and we woke up uh, and we saw a calf, a little cow, disappear. If we don't kill the leopard, he will come for more. Even for us, because they live in little huts, 
they sleep outside in temperatures from uh, 40, 45 degrees during the day and 12 below at night. That's the desert. <clears throat> and, uh, and he asked, can I go with you? Oh, come with us. But I don't have a spur. I have only the Bible. Come anyway. They start walking and walking and walking. Almost at the end of the day, they saw in the distance in a, in a tree uh, an animal with something hanging there. They go closer. Oh, that's the, that's the prey. That's the, that's the calf and that's the leopard. They make a big circle. Trying to close the circle and to kill the animal. When the animal saw this man approaching, start roaring. As soon as the animal said, wow, you know, those six guys with the spears, they disappear into the bushes. A leopard, you know, a leopard is a very strong animal. May raise five times the weight of his own body. Very strong animal. So they disappear, and Chugura was there by himself without any uh, spare. And the animal jumped out of the tree and ran towards him, jumped upon him, opened part of the face, part of the chest. And that moment he said, Lord, help me. I talked with him for several hours. And he, saw, he, he told me, I knew I was lost. I claimed God's help. I was in pain. I was bleeding badly. The pain disappeared, and I was possessed by a supernatural force. I took the animal from the neck. I started pressing, 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 and then I started losing strength, losing strength, and with his own bare hands, he extrangulate a leopard. We are not talking about a man very strong. We are talking of a... What happened here? We are talking about a man of 68, 6A, 68 years old. He killed the leopard. He fell. He was fainting because of the bleeding. And then the other guys... You need help. You need help. There was no response. They started approaching very cautiously, and then they saw Chungora there and the Lopar. They put some bandages trying to stop the bleeding. Four of them, they carried Chungora, walking to the village to put him in a safe place. Two of them, they were dragging the, the, the animal from the tail all the way, and they enter into the village, and they say, we kill a leopard, we kill a leopard. Well, we is too many people, you know. And then they were very superstitious. I said, who is this guy? We were with, uh, with uh, spurs, and he with his own bare hands. Maybe he's possessed by supernatural forces. God was preparing the hearts. God was breaking that uh, stone hearts. Several months passed. Chungora got better. And now everybody was were, were, were ready to listen. And he started talking about Jesus. About Jesus. 
about Jesus. We went to that village one year and a half later just to baptize the 78 members of the Herreros tribes. Today, the whole village is a seven-day Adventist village. God is doing something. Sometimes God allows even disgraces, even the most strange thing to happen because he knows how to reach those places. We need to pray and to be ready to be used by God here in Europe or around the world. Well, when we pray, something happens. Let's go to this, and then we take a short break. Uh, let's go to community outreach is a step number three. This is very important, young people, listen. This is very, very important. Churches grow when there is a planned process of community outreach that meets the physical, mental, social, and spiritual needs of the people. Here is the Bible principle. Jesus went all about Galilee, teaching, preaching, and healing. Three things that the church must do around the world. We are teaching the educational system. We have the largest Protestant educational system in the world. Teaching. Preaching. We have churches all over the places. By the way, it's the only church around the world that is established in more countries, more even than Catholics, the Seven Adventist Church. Two, 209 countries out of the 214 recognized by the UN, in 209, we have the work established. And healing. So we have the hospitals, uh, uh, the, the sanitariums, you know, the uh, medical work. So three things that church is doing, but we may do the same at local level. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a very sincere question. No, don't, don't answer to me. The rhetorical one. If your church disappear today. The doors are closed. Your church disappeared from the city where you are. Will the neighbors and the community will notice that? Will they notice, oh, they, they closed the seven and the church? Maybe they say, we never hear about it. You know, there was one uh, pastor preaching one Wednesday evening in a prayer meeting. Brothers and sisters, the persecution is coming. Be ready because uh, uh, we will persecute and this and that. And one elder raised his hand, Pastor, don't worry about it. They don't even know who, who we are. It won't be such a persecution. Don't worry. You know, there are many places they don't know uh, who are the seven Adventists. Why? Because we limit ourselves to go to church and not to be an influence in the community. But there are some other places that the Adventist church is the first largest religion in that country. In other countries, it's the second religious force of the country. It's not easy, even under persecution. Why? They are doing community services, community outreach. I'm going to share with you some, some uh, what is going on around the world. You know, in the last 
uh, 12 years, I've been traveling to every continent, including the North Pole, the Arctic. I want to show you something about the Arctic, how the Lord is working over there, and there are many families keeping the Sabbath up in the Arctic. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question later on that. Come with me to Colombia. Colombia is one of the most uh, educated uh, countries in South America when they had the, they had the first university in, in South America. Very, very, uh, many, many professionals. They, they focus very much on, 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 on studying to have a career. Well, ADRA and the church, they organize to focus the work in the northeast part of the country, in a province. They organize 13,000 volunteers, doctors, engineers, shoemakers, uh, nutritionists, teachers, computer technicians, every profession you may, dentists, nurses, and they motivate them to serve God for one week during Easter time. Jesus came to this world to give his life, and now in Easter time, during Passover, we want to serve Jesus. He gave his blood, want to give one week to serve the community for free. So they pay their own expenses, they pay everything. They ask the governor for an appointment, and the governor granted an appointment. You know what happened in government, especially in those countries? All the time the people come with complaints. We need this, we need that, we need that. Why do you do that? So the governors are listening a lot of complaints every day. But here comes a delegation to offer something for free. And the governor said, okay, I listen to you, Mr. Governor. We have a plan in one week. We want to help in the schools, we want to help in the hospitals, we want to help in nursing homes, we want to, to help in the communities. We have this and that and that and that. And the governor says, well, this is amazing, this is wonderful, but we don't, uh, we don't have money. How much is going to be? Mr. Governor, this is for free. What? For free? He called the secretary right there. Come quickly before they repent. <laughs> he signed up 89 letters. Make copies, signing, signing up. Please open the door of your community to the 89 communities, uh, municipalities. Open the door to the Seventh-day Adventist members. Open the door to them during Easter week because they are going to help the community provide police escort, give them everything that they need, and that evening they will have a special message that comes from the heart of God to the heart of every people in Colombia. And that comes from the governor. Now those young people were marching, those professionals, to all those cities. 13 different groups going and then converging into the capital. Thousands of volunteers. They were there helping on the streets. They asked for permit, of course, paintings on uh, playgrounds. Uh, some of them were builders helping to build some uh, walls. They even used horses to go to the most remote area of the country, in the jungle, 
professional uh, uh, coiffeurs or hair cutters, uh, barbers for free uh, during that week, other people painting some uh, schools, giving some new clothes to the, in the nursing homes, and this story is amazing. They went, a group of young people, they went to the Catholic Church. An old church from 1700 something, an old, an old building, and they said, Mr. Priest, uh, I don't, we don't know what you have next door, but it looks like, uh, we don't know, it's a cemetery or it's a jungle. Because we saw a grave over there. Oh, yeah. Do you allow us to clean up the cemetery? And he said, well, we don't have money to pay that. No, no, it's for free. Okay, go ahead. And they were cleaning up the cemetery with machetes, with equipment, with everything, cleaning up the cemetery. Now they see the grave. And the people around the neighborhood, they saw, what is this guy doing this? They catch the attention. They were serving the community. And then they went to the church. This is the church that suffered a lot of earthquakes. was in bad shape. And they said, Mr. Priest, we cleaned the cemetery, but we noticed that the church inside needs a, a coat of paint because it doesn't look good. And this is God's house. Do you allow us to paint the church? Well, you know, the, 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 the members have not been so faithful. We don't have money. I'm sorry. No, no, this is for free. Okay, go ahead, paint it. And they paint the church. In Easter time in those countries, Catholic countries, by the way, only 15 years ago, Protestantism was prohibited. The gorillas from China, Mao Zedong, plus the Catholics, they joined together. They want to exterminate the Protestants. Many people gave their lives. It was difficult. It was persecution. It's not easy. But they were bold enough to go and to share the love of God to other people, helping the community. And then they paint the church, and the members came to, to worship. They said, wow, a brand new church in Easter. What a gift. And the priest was so moved. It was a young priest that says, you know what? I want to finish the mass in Easter time. I want to finish the mass earlier. And I, will, I give you the church to you for you to preach from here. <laughs> for a Catholic church. They were prohibited. But of course, the signature of the, the governor and then they were serving the community. They opened a heart. Incredible. Well, most of the people that stood by the, uh, after the Mass, they remained there to listen to the message during Easter time for these young people. And there were so many people that from those very stairs right there, they decided to preach from there to the public square. 12,000 people there gathered. They want to listen to the rest of the story. I see them serving. We see them doing good things. We want to listen to the rest of the story. You see how important it is to make friends, to build bridges with the community? That's why my question, if your church disappeared today from the neighborhood, will the member of your community will notice that? In other words, are we an influence? Are we presenting seminars on stress, on stop smoking, or, or many kind of seminars to the community? Church has to be an influence in the community. 
It's not just a place to listen to a good sermon and go home. No way. That's not church for me. Well, they went over there. Good nutritionists. They distributed among the poor a lot of good food. Some people were artists, were painting uh, those uh, <clears throat> uh, kindergarten uh, and those nursery homes. Dentists, they opened in schools, different places, uh, clinics right there, doctors. There were 12 of those brand new state-of-the-art buses with blood bank and people donating blood. And the Red Cross says, just stop, stop, we have too much blood. We have enough already. They were impacting the community. They went to a, a, a nursing home, and, and the nun says, come, come, sing for them, sing for them. We heard the good story, what you are doing in this city. Of course, when I went to preach, every night, one place, another place, another place. There were thousands of people. They want to listen to the rest of the story. Oh, this is a graduation of more than 200 people one week on uh, how to make a good bread, cooking, professional nutritionist, a graduation. They are entering a small town, very remote, with a few thousand people, and they were salvation and service, or mission, or life. Oh, of course, they finished in a stadium for the first time. Almost 20,000 people they are. They want to listen, and they are what the chief of police of the country. Were many politicians there? You know how politicians work, right? Where there's many people, politicians are always there. Here we are, we are here to support you, you know? But remember, uh, we, we, we are here, you know? We need our votes later. They were there, each one of them, they want to give a speech. I said, let them, allow them to give a speech very short, one minute, say hi, hello everyone, and goodbye, I sit down. Well, what you see right here, you know what it is? 20 baptistries, big enough to hold two pastors in each one. And they start the festivity because after so many months of studying with small groups, they finish that. They are the leaders there. They are the leaders who organize ADRA and the, and the uh, conference there. They finish with 5,032 baptisms. Everybody is today in the church because they were working through small groups, community services. If we want to impact the world for God, we need to think seriously, more than just to preach, but to reach the communities to follow Jesus' method. Come with me to Namibia. There we were with installing some water wells, giving also those God pots. You heard those stories. Today, in those areas, they don't have the, the written language, only uh, verbal language, I mean speaking language. We put the Bible the first time in their own language, the whole Bible, the Stethokites, and uh, some Bible studies. Today, 24 of those 186 villages are Seventh-day Adventists because of the work of the, the, the Bibles and the community service. Come with me to the North Pole. I know for you guys living in Finland and Norway, that's nothing, 45 below. 
Let me tell you, the Arctic is not the best place to do uh, tourism. It's cold. It frees even your ideas. Why we went there? We heard that in the Bible societies in Canada, there were 5,000 Bibles in the language of the Inuits, that's the Eskimos, for 20 years, and nobody went over there to distribute those Bibles. It's dangerous, it's costly, it requires a lot of preparation to go to the most remote villages in the, in the Arctic. But there are some people who love adventure. I love, I, I like those difficult places. I told to the people in the GC, you don't, have, you don't have anyone to go to the Arctic or to the uh, Antarctic or to Afghanistan. I'm ready. I offer as a volunteer. So, so I, I'm going to different places. I, I like very much. And so, so, some people say, are you not afraid? Afraid of what? <laughs> well, well, maybe you lost your life. Well, what, 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 what's the problem? I have another life to live for eternity. <laughs> I get to serve. So we're over there, four people. We rented an airline, a, a plane. We contract a plane. Then we realized that this company is the company that has more accidents than any other company in the world. It's a company of one plane. When one crash, they buy another one, and they continue doing business. And there we sat on the, on the top of the boxes, you know, 5,000 Bibles. And then the pilot said, well, according to my instruments, I cannot go further than, further than here. I, I had to leave you over here. I said, where? In the middle of nothing? And then he landed. I started sliding, 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 sliding. Continue, continue. I said, man, if this plane doesn't stop here, we will finish in the South Pole. <laughs> he sliding, sliding. Finally stopped. We took out the, the, the boxes, and there at the distance, we see three small dots approaching. Those ledges with dogs we contracted. They, were, they saw the plane. They were coming, and we put the, the boxes. And then we went 10 days in the most remote areas of the world to deliver the word, the, deliver the word of God. People were afraid because we were using the, the Canadian uh, uh, military uniform. Uh, and then uh, they were afraid. But when we went with a smile, here it is. We brought the word of God in your own language. People reading the word of God in their own language for the first time. Let me make the story short. Today, there are several families who have said to Jesus there. Several families are keeping the Sabbath in the North Pole. I want to leave you a task, how to keep the Sabbath in the North Pole, <laughs> where six months of, uh, you know, the sun coming out, out of the horizon, and six months of darkness, you who live in the northern latitude, you, you know that. Well, there is a book in the White State, in the website, that says how to keep the Sabbath in a round world. It's very interesting, how to keep the Sabbath in those places. If we believe that every eye will see Jesus when he comes, everybody needs to know about this good news. Are you willing to go?
Are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus in your neighborhood? Or maybe God will call you to be a missionary for one year somewhere. By the way, we left two missionaries, Romanian missionaries, for one year. They like it very much, and they decide to stay for two years. They are baptizing people now, and they assign the largest union in the world, uh, uh, I mean, the largest district, pastoral district in the world. A pastor was assigned to that district in the middle of the nothing. And the pastor is reporting baptisms in the North Pole. Baptism, you know what they do? They cut the ice. They put a rope. And you are baptized. Something is going on. The gospel is going on. It's being preached. People are deciding for Jesus, citizens of the kingdom. Oh, what a time to live. What a, a joy to see people. Well, that's going on. Three are the Bibles in their own language. Distribute those Bibles. Here are the satellite series. God is reaching people to satellite series. I was preaching from Santiago, Chile for the South American Division. They invited me to hold an evangelistic series. 20, well, we're about 22,000 churches receiving the signal via satellite in their auditorium. I was preaching in one place, and then the people were receiving in their own churches and inviting friends. I made appeals. The pastor, they passed uh, to the front, and people coming. I was praying for, from, uh, for them from there, but the pastor were praying for the people right there. Something's going on when we work together, but we need to experiment a revival. We need to train and to give, especially in small groups, and then we need to reach the community. And when we do that, God will bless us abundantly. Yes, this is what is going on in some places. This will happen very soon, but our big challenge right now is right here. I've been in Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world. What a challenge. There's one church in, in Jakarta, very wealthy church, Chinese businessman. They build a state-of-the-art church, beautiful. But Muslims don't allow them to enter into that church. When I was visiting there, they said, Pastor, we're very happy. Uh, uh, they allow us to enter into the church for one hour every two months. <laughs> Difficulties. What can we do to pray, to pray? Because... The only thing that separates us from the second coming is the preaching of the gospel and these people to have the opportunity to, to listen to the word of God and to make the decision for eternity. Well, uh, the next step will be in the next segment. One of the most important, I want to share you something very important, how to do evangelism without money, how to duplicate your membership, how to, uh, and this happened in every, in every culture. I, I saw that. I want to share you with you some materials. 
I want to challenge you with something big in the next hour, and then we close <clears throat> with a couple of uh, 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 initiatives. The General Conference is presenting to the world field that we need the young people involved in this. Okay, let's, uh, let's close with a prayer, and then we come back in the next uh, 10 minutes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. Thank you for your blessings that one day the gospel came into our hearts and the Holy Spirit has been working and now we are going to heaven. We are close to the second coming of Jesus. We have a hope. But Lord, we see so many people around the world without God, without hope. Lord, we want for what happened in the first century to be repeated again, the Holy Spirit will be poured out. And we ask, Lord, for our generation to experiment that and to see Jesus coming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's start and let's move uh, very quickly. We have only 35 minutes before lunch. Are you hungry? No? You eat a good breakfast? Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let, let's start. Let, let's pray again. Let's pray again. Uh, and then I'm going to open the, if you have questions or comments right after the, the presentation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together to learn more from you, from your word. Send your Holy Spirit to our heart, to this place. Help us to understand those principles that it has been given to us a long time ago for us to fulfill this mission, Lord. Be with us at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, once we have a revival after equipping or training, then after reaching the community, the logical step will be the reaping. And churches grow when God's word is preached through evangelistic proclamation. How many of you conducted an evangelistic series sometimes or a Bible group or some of you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. I want to uh, share with you something very, very interesting that, that changed my ministry when I was in my 20s, I now, incredible, but reaching 60 now. <laughs> but I don't feel it. <laughs> but in my early ministries, a leader gave me a counsel that changed my life and my ministry. And I said, thank you, God, for those kind of leaders. And I want to share with you that. Well. The book of Acts says that daily in the temple, of course, was a synagogue. They don't have any church like we have today. They have a the Jewish synagogue daily. They were teaching and preaching. How often they do that? Daily. How often do we open our churches? Some people call uh, uh, in the U.S., uh, there are many Seventh-day Adventists they call 7-Eleven. You know, 7-Eleven uh, is, a, is a store 
that because there are seven-day Adventists and they go to the 11 a.m. and no more during the week. They call them Christian 7-11. Well, uh, if you open a business, if you open a business here in, in, in Linz, I open that business just once a week. What will happen? What will happen with that business? But our churches, we open them just once a week, sometimes twice. I've been visiting some places around this, this, this planet. They had meetings every day of the week. In other places, five times. But here it says daily they were in the temple. And you know, if you go to some places here in Europe, and you uh, see those churches from the third, fourth century, there are some ruins there, you will find something very interesting. Inside the church, there's a big uh, pool. That was the baptistry. That was the center of action. Can you imagine to build a church with a baptistry in the center, very well decorated? What a powerful message that, that delivers that Okay, what is that? What is that? The center of action, that the baptistry. And sometimes the baptistry are hidden here or there. I went in, in, in Mexico City, the oldest church there, they open a little window like this for the baptistry. I say, where is that? The pastor is there. But where is the pastor? And the pastor has to take the, 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 the head out of the, the little window. Nobody knew that it was a baptism. We accepted by faith that he was baptizing, you know. But in those days, the baptistry was the center of action because every day people were baptized. In the most secular society of history, the Roman Empire of the first century, baptisms every day. How is it possible to preach without microphone to thousands of people and thousands of people responding, what we should do to be saved, repent and be baptized. Why to be baptized? Because you have to confess Jesus. You have to change ownership. Because we, when you are born in this planet, you are born to die forever. We come to this world with a certificate of a death certificate. We are born to die forever. And Jesus is inviting us to be born again, to live forever. And say, well, we want to be baptized. Thousands were baptized. Something is going on around the world today. Many people. I went to Rwanda in one Sabbath. There were 11,000 people being baptized in one swimming pool right there. That picture I show you in Colombia, 5,000 in 20 baptistries, 40 pastors baptizing. They start baptizing at 9 in the morning and they finish at 5 in the afternoon. I was preaching my sermon and the people were baptizing, baptizing, baptizing. Oh, how easy it is to preach when the people uh, is being baptized. Well, something's going on. There are entire cities, entire Towns who all of them are Seventh-day Adventists. We're talking about 
10,000, 12,000, 15,000 people, everybody's an Adventist. The police department, they don't have any, any trouble in those places. Very quiet. Well, I, I have so many stories, maybe another opportunity. But uh, anyway, the disciples says, uh, uh, well, four months until the harvest. But Jesus says, look at the fields. They are ready, white, for the harvest. Well, tied up your seat belts right now. I want to show you something from this book. If you read English, I recommend you this book. Go to Amazon, go to any uh, store in the internet. Surprising insights. It says right here, it is a pastoral malpractice, malpractice to ignore this book. <laughs> That's interesting. This is a revelation. This author, Tom Reiner, is the father of postmodernism. He's the man who studied postmodern, the postmodern mind more than any other. You know what postmodernism is? We are the generation postmodern. Those who were born after 1950, 1960, until they are postmodern. Postmoderns summarizing, they don't believe anything. They don't believe in religion because churches fail. The world is worse than ever. Are the churches making a difference in the life of people? No. They don't believe in politics. Capitalism, the world is worse than ever, the world. Communism, socialism, they are not fixing the problems of the world. They don't believe in anything. They don't believe in institutions. But the weakest link, the Aquiles tendon, I would say, they value very much transparency. Transparency. Tell me things very clear. I want to know the whole truth. Don't, don't, don't come to me with this just super, tell me the whole story. That's why the talk shows, that's why the reality shows are so popular because they want to see people in reality. They want to listen the whole story, not part of the story. Here it is. Tom Rainer, with many pastors, they study, they, they, they study the, for 10 years. The major religious, uh, de religious denomination in the United States and Western Europe and part of South America. He wrote more than 10 books, but this one is a revelation. This book is 10 years old. It's not new. But what he discovered here after those surveys, we were told over 100 years ago by the spirit of prophecy by Ellen C. White. But now we had to rediscover through this book in order to pay attention. Here it is. Why are the postmodern and what are the reasons why are they returning to churches? Are they going to church? Why? Here it is. Look at this. What things led you to choose this church? 90% they respond because of the preaching. <laughs> preaching with conviction. 
88% because of the doctrine, the substance, the meat, the data. I want to know the whole story. That's basically what they're they telling us. These are, these are surveys done in Europe, done in the US, in Latin America. 49% are coming to church because of friendly other members. 41% because of witnessing. Look at this, look at this. Only 11% they care about the new worship style or new kind of music. <laughs> we were pointing into the wrong direction. We were pointing, let's do something different, let's sham, let's do this, let's uh, create something new for the, for the uh, postmoderns. Let's create a, a new music, a new style of other, uh, worshiping. They don't care about it. Only 11% of them are interested in that. But they do. They are interested in to know what you believe. Tell me the whole story. Tell me very clear. Only 7% about location. They don't care about if they meet under a tree or here in a beautiful church or in a home. They don't care. They want to see the truth, things very clear. You catch what, what, what this uh, study is presenting to us? We have these precious truths in this book. We have the three angels' message. Jesus knew exactly what the last generation will need. Preach the whole truth. And that's my great concern, uh, brothers and sisters, uh, about the pulpit these days. I've been, I've been, I've been around the world. I, I know, I, I may tell you this firsthand. It's too much of preaching very lightly, very evangelical. Come to Jesus, Jesus will fix your problem. Uh, go into the emotions, and that's not the gospel, that's part of the gospel. Tell them the whole story. The same Jesus who came to die in the cross is the same Jesus who said, John, write, write the revelation because this is my revelation. I, I want for the people to be ready for the second coming. How good is going to be for Jesus to die in the cross and at the end, the enemy will deceive the majority. You and I are not evangelicals. You and I are Seventh-day Adventists. We are the remnant to preach the whole gospel, but not putting aside the distinctive doctrines that God raised this church to present this special message for this hour. I'm speaking clear, this hour. I want to speak very clear. I'm very open to you. Every place I go to do evangelism, I present those uh, subjects who are the distinctive doctrines how to avoid the mark of the beast, how to receive the seal of God, but I present Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the center. What happened? Uh, uh, things are wrong around the world, but God has a judgment in favor of his people. How you make of him his, uh, your lawyer, your advocate? Uh, presenting the good news, the whole message. I just came from New York. Very, very... Uh, 
hard environment to do evangelism. For the first time, six pastors got together and we had meetings together. And it's very difficult to mobilize people in New York because of the distances and working. So I said, here's the money. Pay to the people, offer them the, the, the ticket for the metro. Almost $100 for one week. Give to them. Offer them a good a supper. Because uh, people come from the work. They won't, if they go home, they, come, they won't come to the meeting. We start with about 600 people. And the first night, I told them to the postmodern, brothers and sisters, I'm so glad to be here. Let me be very open with you. I come to preach from this book. This is the manual. This is the GPS of the of this human being. This is not just a, a, a manual of spiritual things. It's a manual on health. It's in relationships, on money. This is a complete manual. So I want to uh, talk to you about this book, but these are the subjects. Count down to eternity. That's the subject tonight. We are very close to that event. Jesus will come tomorrow. Why so many denominations? Do you want to know about that? Tomorrow's the night. Then, the next day, how to start a new life. How God moved mountains of difficulties. Next one, what happens when a person dies? You want to know? It's in heaven, it's in hell, the purgatory. What happened five minutes after? So I presented the whole, I mean, whole subject for one week. Well, bring your friends. We start with 600 people. We finish with 1,300 people. People want to listen the whole truth. Be bold, be strong, present the whole message. Don't be afraid. I was here in Europe. I won't tell the country because this continent is so small. But I gave the, the titles to the pastor, and the pastor changed the titles of all the, the handbill. He was afraid of those titles, very attractive titles. And I said, well, that's all right. That's your church. I respect that. But the first night I said, brothers and sisters, I feel compelled by the Lord to tell you the whole truth. You read the, the, the titles in the handbill, but the real titles are this one. <laughs> I, I, I was dreaming. I was uh, asking the Lord. I, I felt that uh, because I don't see, I don't know if I'm going to see you for the next time, but I want to tell you the whole truth from this book. Maybe some things that you never heard before, but they are not new. They are right here. And here are the titles. Do you allow me to change uh, to these subjects? I will say, yeah. Well, bring your friends. Well, that pastor who baptized five people in 10 years, we prepared him 11 people to be baptized right after that meeting. People want to listen the whole truth. One preached to them. Well, here it is. Jesus says, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. All things. That includes everything. Jesus was right with his message for this hour. I want to challenge you to follow the, in preaching the model sanctuary. <clears throat> I'm not talking about to preach about the sanctuary, which is part of our message, but to follow that model. 
because there's a book, a nice book on prayer, how to pray, following the acts, no? You know that? Yeah? So your adoration, A. Confession, C. T, thanksgiving. And then, S. Supplication, ask. Supplication, acts. That, that, that's the way to pray. You start in adoration, God, I... Adore you. You are the creator. Uh, Lord, uh, I confess my sins, but also I confess Jesus as my Savior. Then, Lord, uh, I give you, uh, thank you for so many things. And, Lord, now I want to ask, pray that way. But also, I want to challenge you to follow the same model in preaching. Jesus died for us. And that is in miniature, in miniature the, the, the plan of salvation that Jesus wants to share around the world. Jesus died outside, you know, in the atrium. He's was sacrificed. Then we have the fountain, symbol of baptism. Jesus, when he went to heaven, went to the, uh, to the holy place. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. Where prayers go to like incense. But what happened after 1844? Jesus moved to the most holy place to do a very important task comparable to what he did in the cross. The judgment, the cleansing of the sanctuary. When our pioneers understood that, they entered with Jesus by faith into the most holy. And they said, in most holy, what we have there? The ark? We have the Ten Commandments? Maybe God is telling us something about the Ten Commandments we don't know. But the Ten Commandments, there's a Sabbath there. Maybe God is trying to tell us something about the Sabbath. Oh, the judgment, the day of atonement, talks about the most holy once a year. And they start preaching from here, the whole message. They preach everything. The law of God, the Sabbath, the, the, the judgment, the triangle message, everything from here. What we have done in the last 25, 30 years is sad. We move out from here in our preaching, and we are preaching just from here. Come to Jesus. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He will save you. He pardon you. And some people even preaching just from here. Come to you. He died for you. Brothers and sisters, we need to, to preach everything. All things that Jesus taught us. Thinking that the ministerial association, because my heart is in the, in the, in the local field where the pastors are, where the, where the leaders, where the young people are. You know, all my ministry has been working with young people. I took one church, 69 members in Austin, Texas, the most atheistic city in the, in the U.S. Only 24% in the city are Christians. The rest, they don't believe in anything. I took a church of 69 members 
at the end of seven years, there were more than 700 people without spending one dollar in big evangelism. I want to share with you this secret today. Most of them, they were young people. I was 40 years old those days, and uh, there were only eight people older than me. The rest were 30 and below. A lot of young people. Well, all my ministry has been working with young people. My dream, dream, brothers and sisters, is to transform the pulpits in our churches into evangelistic centers through the Sabbath morning evangelism plan and to create a new generation of pastors, evangelists. I was in my 20s, early 20s, when I moved to the U.S., and uh, I want to reach my goal. They gave me three small churches in the border with Mexico. And I asked for money to do evangelism and the conferences. There's no money. I know there was money because those big names, those big churches, they receive a lot of money to do evangelism. And one former president told me, you don't need money to do evangelism. All what you need is the Bible and people to preach. I said, okay, but what else? Well, prepare, prepare an evangelistic series, like a regular evangelistic series, and start preaching Sabbath morning every Sabbath to the members and ask the members to bring their friends and their visitors. So I prepare my slides in those days, those 35 millimeters slides. Remember those? Maybe they don't know. <laughs> I'm too getting old. <laughs> those are slides. There was no computer in those days. Available, at least. The computers were big machines like that. And then I prepared a slide. I prepared 13 good sermons. I told the members and to the board, this will, will be the, the titles of the sermons for the next quarter. I said, Pastor, thank you very much. Now we know what you are going to preach. You know, people, they deserve and they appreciate to know what they're going to listen on Sabbath morning in the church. And when you create a list of sermons, they will be free to invite their friends. Now they brought a, a doctor, a lawyer, because they knew the subjects. From the beginning, we have a full house. And then we continue for three months, six months, for a year. And the 22 years I've been pastor in a church, I never spent one dollar in evangelism. I never request one dollar. But using the pulpit every Sabbath to do evangelism, and we have the minimum, Pastor, the minimum we have in the U.S. in Baptist was 92, one year. From there, 150 for more than 20 years. There's power in the world. The, the, the power is, is here. We spend millions of dollars around the world in bringing people in advertisement. But we have many visitors Sabbath morning in our churches, and they enter and they leave, and nobody makes an appeal to them. Use the Sabbath 
to do evangelism, and you will see the results. Thinking on that, I'm glad to present to you, we are creating, creating new graphics, new presentations in PowerPoint. By the way, the next volume will be, this is 13 sermons, thinking in that principles, using one quarter, one quarter of uh, sermons. These are these distinctive doctrines. This one coming out, the next volume in January. By the way, it's free. By the way, it's open. You may take the, take the, the, the text and put it in your, your own language and create your own sermons. They are also in Word. You will see that in a minute. We want to saturate the field, pastors, leaders, elders, young people who want to preach, they have brand new graphics, brand new materials, very well created. The same Jesus in the whole series. It's not one Jesus with a hair like this, like that. it's the same Jesus in the whole series that gives continuity. Well, I have the first volume. It's included in the pen drive right there, somewhere. It's included but you may copy from these two. Then, here are, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel, says the apostle. Here they are. Some of the graphics. Then you have, you may print in PDF or in Word, in Word you may change it. You have the picture on one side and the text. Why? Do you know the, the, the New Beginnings series? New Beginning? Yeah. Something similar to that. But this will be for free and will be also with brand new graphics. There are artists who, who are creating graphics and there are, we, we have all the rights already to give this for free. The next one will be in a pen drive instead of a disc. We want to give something like this, you know, pen drive. It says, uh, end time message from Jesus, Seventh Adventist Church. You, you may have those sermons right there for you to preach. Uh, anyway, here it is. You see? <laughs> They're very creative, creative print drive. There's some of the graphics. Sorry, the luminosity is not, not good right here, but uh, you may change this in your own language. You see the, the new statue, Daniel, being a young person in the... A lot of illustrations, like this dog, was sent by the owner to the airport and the dog in the desperation, where are my owners, you know? He ate all the tag, and nobody knows where to send that, that dog to. <laughs> Different illustrations. You see, a lot of confusion, where, where to go, where to get the information, the right information. This world is in pain, needs some treatment. So the graphic artists are, are trying to, you know, young people are doing this, professional graphic designers, very creative. You know, Jesus inviting the people. You may change, take this, copy and paste in your own language, and then you have that, that in your language. It is written, provide us the graphic from oxygen, and we provide them all these graphics, and we exchange it, and now we agree to have everything for free. You know, wolves, like a lamb, a lot of prophecy, very well illustrated. How people are saved before Christ and after Christ. I'm going to go very fast.
a lot of new graphics. The next one will be in 16 by 9 also. This is 4 by 3. Will be in PowerPoint and Keynote also for you to preach. There's a rest area, you know? Look at this prescription for personal happiness. Uh, X-ray. Very, uh, and also we are looking for people from all over the world. Europeans, African, Oriental, Hispanics, different cultures. We have the whole message, prophecies, very well explained. Then we next series we have on the Sermon on the Mountain, on the parables. If God is your copilot, change seats. Uh, a lot of creativity, you know? And, uh, and the point is this, to transform our pulpits in our churches into evangelistic centers to Sabbath morning evangelism, I want to invite you. I want to challenge you. When you are invited to preach, prepare a good evangelistic sermon and make an, ap an appeal. Use one of these materials and present an appeal at the end. Don't be afraid because a sermon is not a piece of oratory to be admired. It's a piece of, it's a piece of bread to be eaten. Ellen C. White mentions that never a sermon should be preached without an appeal. And let me finish with this, with a practical way to make an appeal. Elder Finlay is a master in appeals. He used six, six, seven, eight different kinds of appeals. But this one appeal that never fails, I want to uh, uh, practice this morning with you. Suppose this is a church. You are the members, there are some visitors coming here. I want for you, at least five of you, to play visitors. Who want to volunteer to play visitors? One volunteer, two, uh, three, I need two more. Four or five, okay, okay, you're a visitor. Okay, I start the sermon this morning. You're welcome, that's it, we're so glad. We are here in God's house. Uh, and the pastor of this church, uh, went before to open the word of God, I want to ask, just for curiosity, how many friends, how many guests we have today that maybe not, they are not members of the church, but today they decide to be with us, worshiping with us. May I see those hands? Yeah, they are. How many of you are happy to have those friends today? <laughs> Everybody, you are welcome. Welcome to our church. You know what? Today you could be at the, you know, at the mall, supermarket, or watching TV or watching a, a football game, but you decide to be in God's house today. And we thank you. I don't want for you to leave today from this place without God's blessing. That's why at the end, I, will, I want to pray for you, for your family, for your work, for your life, for your challenges. So at the end, I want to pray for you. What I am doing with that? I'm creating an expectation, telling the people what I want to do at the end. I want to pray for my friends, for my visitors. Then I finish the sermon, 
I said, well, now is the time where, where the preachers say this is the appeal or the time of closing. As I promised at the beginning, I want to pray now for my friends, my guests today. I want God's blessing upon them. This is a house of prayer. I don't want for you to live today without God's blessing. I want to, I want to step down. I want to invite you to come. Could you please, could you please come over here? And then the people start passing. But they are said, so glad you are here, so glad. I want to pray for you. Could you please stand up? I invite all the congregation to stand up to close with a prayer. What I am doing, ministering to those people right there. And then I say, you know, you are here not by chance. God brought you over here. Because as certainly as you have a place here, you have a room, a place in heaven. But in order to get there, we need to confess Jesus publicly. And then I speak very, you know, about baptism, what that means, very shortly. And then I pray for them. Well, I was in India. And a lady very well-dressed, a very cool church, 800 capacity. There were about 150 members. They don't shake hands. They don't say hi to anybody. I asked, the, well, the elders, do we have any visitors today in the church? No, sir, we don't have visitors in this church. Okay. Maybe it's a club or something. So I asked, in the, at the beginning of the sermon, do we have any guests, any per- Five hands were raised. They don't even know that they have visitors with them. I told them that I want to pray at the end. When I invited them to come to pray, all those five people came to the front, a lady well-dressed, and I saw two big guys moving in the side. I said, hmm, this is a lady of high profile. There were two bodyguards. And I prayed for her. I went out of the, after I finished the sermon, I went to the door to greet the people. And there was a Mercedes-Benz, the series 600, you know those very expensive cars? The 600 series Mercedes-Benz with a driver. And the lady came out and the two guys behind her I said, Pastor, thank you very much for praying for me. I asked her, may I have, uh, to whom I'm speaking with? I am the wife of the chief of the postal system in the India. I said, <sighs> and she said, thank you very much for praying for me and for my family. I've been attending this church for three months, and you are the first one who prayed for me, and I feel welcome now. Then another lady, she speaks very fluidly in English, perfect English. I said, well, I'm one of the, uh, the, the uh, uh, look, I mean, the, the speakers of the national radio. You know, Northeast India are most of the, the brain people, the, the, the wise people of Northeast India. I said, uh, but thank you, thank you very much for praying for me or for my family. 
Every Sabbath we have visitors in our churches. If you are going to preach, never forget to make an appeal. Invite them to pray. Pray for them. And you will see the Holy Spirit doing the rest in their hearts. The big mistake you may avoid is to preach, close the Bible, God bless you, brothers and sisters, and leave. No, that's not the way. You need to confront the people who have a decision. Make an appeal. Invite them to pray. Everybody will come to the front to pray. Well, time is gone. But uh, this material is available. I don't know how to uh, put this in your hand. Um, I'm ready to receive uh, emails and to send from Washington as many as possible. We have thousands of these. Uh, you have in the pen drive also the same material plus many other sermons there. And, uh, and, and we are committed to, uh, uh, to give you good, fresh material for you to present this good news. And then the final is follow-up and nurturing. We don't have uh, time for that now. But let me finish with this. The most glorious chapters of the book of Acts are soon to be written. It's an incomplete book. The book of Acts is the book of the Holy Spirit. Something big is promised, something big is coming. You and I are part of this generation that will see great things for the Lord. I want to encourage you. You feel discouraged? God wants to use you. As we present this message, God will give us new strength, new courage, and he will take care of our problems. Look for the things of the kingdom first, and he will take care of the addings. Look first for the kingdom of God. May God bless you. I don't have any question. We have about one, two minutes, and when we move to the other place. Well, no question means that you understood everything or you didn't understand anything. <laughs> okay, sister. Okay, what? <laughs> to copy this is in the, in the pen drive I gave you also. You may copy from here too, no problem. Okay, ready to go? Are you sure? Are you hungry now? Well, let's go. Let's move on. Let's stand up. Now let's finish with our prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We know that we have not too much time left on this side of eternity. Jesus is coming soon. And the only thing that separates us from the second coming is the proclamation of the, the message to all the world. Help us, Lord. Send us your Holy Spirit. We can do nothing without your Holy Spirit. Use us. Bless each one of the attendants of this GYC to be filled by the Holy Spirit as we go to our countries, to our churches, with a renewed spirit of service. Open the doors, Lord, in those difficult places, bring those souls who, 
we are praying for, bring them to the kingdom. And at the end, when Jesus comes, we will receive the welcome from him. Come, faithful servant. Inherit all the things. And that day, Lord, when the time will be over, we won't, won't live on time any longer. We will live in eternity. Bless us. We want to be there. In the meantime, use us, Lord, in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good day. This message was recorded through a partnership between GYC and GYC Europe at the 2012 conference in Linz, Austria. GYC are supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church seeks to inspire young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.